Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Shelly. And today's episode, we've got some really interesting things that we're going to chat through. The first one is talking about annoying candidate behaviors. As recruiters, we're going to share our pet peeves. The other thing we're going to talk about is what are some ideas that you can use if your organization just can't compete when it comes to cash? Because we know how quickly salaries are escalating. Case out of Wisconsin about recruiters taking a whole bunch of people at one time. And something I knew nothing about, did you know that there were fake LinkedIn profiles? (laughs) Who knew? At any rate, I've got two co-hosts today. First of all, of course, is my favorite person in the whole world, Serge Boudreaux. Serge, welcome to the show. I'm your favorite person in the whole world. I yes, guess that's yes a are. pretty big compliment. I'll make sure that your family knows about that too. I'm going to send a note to them. All I like, ever talk hey. about is search this and search that. But <laughs> we've also got a, a lovely and talented co-host, Kim Wilkinson. Kim, welcome to the show once again. Thanks for having me. Loving to be here. And so Kim, I saw something on LinkedIn recently. I was scrolling through really quickly, but you posted something and there's a rumor out there that it's gone viral. What was it? it about? Just bring, bring the audience along here. What was it that you posted that people just reacted to? Yeah, you just never know when things are going to take off. So right. I had made a post about candidates quitting their job before having a new job. And I think that's traditionally looked at as a red flag against the candidate And I really challenged everyone to go, why are we not looking at that as a red flag against the company? And that really took off. And so it currently sits at over 1.3 million views on that post. So that's my biggest by far. Oh my God. So what are the comments? What are people saying? I would say majority are in support and love it. I think when you get into that arena of visibility, that's when, you know, the assholes really come out of their caves. And some people have read it as me making assumptions about people's financial wealth and stability and have really ripped me a new one about that. So if you're looking for some entertaining, complete derailment, head to my profile. (laughs) So so tell me, like, how crazy are the crazies? What was like the most vile thing that somebody said? Well, I haven't read through every single one because there's a lot, but like, you don't respond just, to them all. Do how you? dare you? Yeah, it gets to a certain point where I can't engage. Like, I can see, like, you clearly just don't know how to read. So, I, I can't help you beyond that. But, <laughs> how dare you speak about my finances this way? <laughs> like, I wasn't even talking. Well, what does it have to do with anyone's finance? If you are in an environment that is so horrible that you need to quit, and we're seeing a lot of that. I have five, six different examples that in the last, say, six months that people have done that. They're just sick of that company. And they know that the job market is extremely hot, so they can quit and still look for a job and still be considered. The ballgame has changed. Did you get get much comments about they implemented the COVID mandate and I'm not getting vaccinated. Did you get any of those? Some people did comment could be from vaccines, but really the hot one was me talking about people's finances. And I think it's because I saw people leaving financial security and someone was like, how do you know these people are financially secure? And I'm like, I would beg, and I could be completely off base that the majority of people are working for a financial motivation. I'm not volunteering over here. And I don't know many people in my circle who are, you may be fortunate enough just to work by choice, but. Oh, wow. Wow. So we'll keep yeah. an eye on that. But 
Well done, Kim. How to be out there. (laughs) Shelly, have you seen that in your network that people are quitting jobs without having another job lined up? No, I, I haven't. Oh, really? Honestly, no, not without having another job lined up. I'm seeing more of people with multiple offers. How fast you've got to move, like, holy crap. And there's been times where I think I can sniff out when somebody is trying to do the test close on you, you know, like fear of missing out. I've got these other offers coming in and I know how to respond to that, right? Because I'm transparent on compensation. So where does it line up? Mm. Is it in this industry? And and as soon as you start to probe, you can call bullshit pretty quick if yeah. somebody's just trying to pressure you into closing. Would it be a red flag for you if you were hiring Shelly and someone had quit their job without having one lined up and you're interviewing with them? Would you hold that against them? No, I never have. Never. The day that I start looking at candidates and making those judgments, I should get the fuck out of recruitment. Mm. Because I think if you approach candidates thinking they're all liars or there's something wrong with them, a healthy dose of questioning why these dates don't line up, that's our job, right? But I never, they call me Pollyanna, but I never assume that people are lying. And I think all of us, we're probably really good at sniffing out when somebody's full of shit and and they are fabricating something about their work history. I've never taken that approach. I get hiring managers all the time who want to know why someone would leave a job without another job. So that's why I kind of wanted to put it out there. Well, good on you for putting it out there. Kim, there's a topic here that I want you to kick us off on. I think this is hilarious. I think most recruiters, once we've had a glass of wine or two, we'll all have this conversation. So pet peeves, annoying behavior in candidates. Yeah. You want to kick us off on this topic? I do. I do. This is going to be the rest of the show. No, it's not. (laughs) But I think as a whole, we definitely focus on these huge things that candidates need to be doing to getting jobs. And yet we're forgetting some of the small nuances that really can set an impression with someone. And so there's a few things I'd love to hear your guys' pet peeves that just drive me absolutely insane. Because I recently posted out on Facebook out into my community. I was hiring near my neighborhood. And so I leveraged that to hire, put out what I was hiring for, said, please email me your resume. Do not DM me because I don't want to be doing business through my Facebook. Immediately, I have five direct messages in my inbox. And I'm like, guys, you have automatically shown me that you do not know how to follow just a basic direction. Why would I then consider you to hire if the opening introduction is that way? Another thing is unprofessional voicemail. You know, you have people who come on and it's it's chaotic, it's swearing, it's <laughs> abrupt. I mean, there is a generic voicemail available if you don't have it in you to muster up something professional. Yeah utilize that tool versus coming on with something straight out of, I don't know, a party scene. It's, it's a little bit insane. And then another one that kind of drives me crazy is when people ask for information that you've already provided them. I can't take documents through LinkedIn. It's just my message volume in there is too big and they get lost. So I say, please email me. Then they send me their resume through LinkedIn. And I said, can you please email that to me? Oh, what's your email address? Like, I literally just provided it to you three lines ago, and you're asking if again, those are my biggest pet peeves. I just think it shows a lack of, you know, resourcefulness and attention to detail, which I think are the things we all look for in great candidates. Am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy at all. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's just this lack of awareness generally for me (laughs) that what is the professional exchange? My biggest pet peeve. Although yours 
awesome is when regardless of what system, when candidates been rejected, they'll get an auto reply and they'll reply back to the auto reply with something really tacky, like your loss. I've had some pretty wild ones even just recently. Obviously, you don't know how to read. For not picking me, you must not know how to read. Oh my God. Or when they ask, can you please explain to me why you feel I'm not qualified? And I send them back a cut and paste quick from the posting and say, which of these five things exist on your resume? We're looking for an engineer and you've worked at the pack and pay. (laughs) You know, like, I have no clue. I was trying to figure out the packing. (laughs) I'm trying to be very woke here. My daughter is keeping me on track lately. So I didn't want to name an organization because they're all lovely and fine. But if your work history has purely been packing groceries and you haven't graduated from high school yet, do I need to fucking explain this to you? When I started to recruit, it was candidates email address. And I remember seeing email address like juicybottom69 at hotmail.com. <laughs> oh, my And I'm God. like, come on. In my adult life, I had to have a wake up where I used to have an email that was saucy, Kimberly. And I'll tell you, that evolved to be grosser than I had intended it at 19 and then needed to update that to something more professional. Oh, I have a new nickname for you. Uh- <laughs> Saucy is what I'm going to be calling you. The other one that's happening a lot to me in the last couple of years is not testing their Zoom or Teams link. The call starts and I get a call from either them or the actual hiring management link. The person's not on and where they're saying they're having difficulties. Come on, test your Zoom link or your Teams meeting a half hour before. Make sure you're resolving any issue. And even when it does work, when their sound is not connected or any technical issue, especially if you're interviewing for a tech company, you're going to get knocked off really quickly. So let's go to our next topic here, Kim, because I think it somewhat resonates a bit with your post that went viral, and that is around money. And the premise is that people work for money. And the reality is that some organizations, there is a pay band that they can pay You find a great candidate, this person would be a good fit, but you just can't compete on cash. Is there really anybody out there that would accept a dramatically lower offer for company culture, location, remote work, who knows? But I don't know if it's ever worked in real life. Kim, have you had any experience with this when you found somebody great for the role, good cultural fit, everything lines up, but they're just like 20% off? I think there's like a lot of problems with all of that. (laughs) Okay. If if there's a pay band in place, the ability to have flexibility beyond is probably a nil. Like companies that have that type of pay structure where they've implemented ceilings, typically of ceilings on any other type of benefit that they could potentially offer. Where I see pay being a really big struggle is with your small businesses that just can't compete with your big guys. Mm -hmm. And Honestly, they need a bit of a wake-up call. You've got a budget. That's okay. But if I'm buying a car and I have a budget, I'll tell you where I'm not headed, and that's the Lamborghini dealership. It's an alignment on what you can afford and working the best within that. But any position, any company, you need to be offering those perks automatically. Flexible work hours, good time off, work-life balance. Big companies with great salaries are struggling with that also. There's definitely a hunger out there for some more flexibility for candidates, but yeah, cash yeah. is 
working at the end of the day. Really good point because a lot of companies that can't afford in those pay bands are still wanting that top quality candidate. In reality, they can't afford them. And, and sometimes it's a disconnect between the recruitment team and the actual hiring manager. So the recruitment team is telling us, this is what we can afford at the level we're at. And they're just like, no, no, we should have that level that a player. And that's just not happening. But the other point is, this is where you have to be really transparent when you're advertising your job. Instead of saying competitive benefits, like go in depth on your benefits, sell them hard, even if they're not better than that larger company, do a better job of communicating why someone should work there, the flexibility, how your manager is, what is that career path? I do think the money is a driving factor. Don't get me wrong. Where a lot of companies fail is really selling that vision and why this is going to be a great thing for their career. And I, I think it also depends where you are in your career, because if you're in your 20s and you're choosing earning instead of learning, that is going to bite you in the butt in 10 years. You're playing the long game when you're yeah, early yeah. in your career. Yeah. You got to be able to communicate that. I have really struggled to find hiring leaders that can communicate the growth plan within a position yeah. outside of well, you could be supervisor one day. Companies okay. really need to understand what are you going to learn to leverage into your next job outside of this organization, being realistic that if you want someone awesome, they're going to have a shelf life with you. So take it, enjoy it, groom them for their next role and do it again. Kind of jumping off what Serge was saying, I think getting down to the details of your benefits because it can have cash value right? And until you add that up, so say you're hiring someone and the base salary can't go any higher than this. However, there is a remote work from home, you get an extra $1,000 a month, rather than traditional benefits. We also have an account for any sort of physical fitness or whatever. And that's another $100 a month. Plus, we're going to pay up to a maximum of $75 a month for your cell phone and another $75 for your internet connection to make sure you've got the best. I don't know if you want to spell all that out, but certainly when you're getting down to closing on a candidate and you're like maybe $10,000 away, can you really make that up in other ways that but still the same cash to their pocket each month of what they initially asked? but you can get them there. There are things that organizations can do. Can I have the last word on this insight? Is that okay? (laughs) We'd love you to. So one of the things that we look at when it comes to a big company, a lot of big companies, the whole recruitment process is still very weak. If you're a small company, you can actually leverage that to your advantage. You can have fantastic job ads. You can have a really good process. These are all things that don't cost money. If you get a candidate a really good experience, you're going to get a leg up even though you can't pay them as much. And the other thing, if you can't pay as much, but you want top talent, there's ways that you can do it, but you have to take a risk. You have to take a risk on someone that maybe doesn't fit the ideal profile, but has tons of potential and skills that could easily transfer. Is it going to take a little bit more training to bring that person to the same level? Maybe, but that's the price you have to pay to be able to get that level of talent that the hiring manager needs. The most critical thing is make sure your shit is in order. Make sure that you've got everything tight. So when people are coming through that process, you have an advantage, you're giving them a good experience and very true. You might you might win out. Uh, and faster. Less. Speed is a currency. Yeah, yeah for right. sure. Let me set the stage for our next topic. I thought this was an incredible case coming out of the county in Wisconsin called 
outa gamey. <laughs> At any rate, what happened was one healthcare region posts some jobs, interviews somebody, and they got a really good offer. They go back to work and say, hey, I just got a great offer from Theta Care. And then word spreads. What ends up happening is like seven out of 11 employees apply to Theta Care and get hired. The hospital they were leaving was a place called Ascension, Wisconsin. I think they do radiology or something. But essentially, a judge slapped the, the company that was recruiting all of the staff, hit them with a hold matters. These people can't leave for 90 days because you would bring the other company to its knees. Now, I've not ever seen a case like this before, certainly where there was a successful court action. But as recruiters, I know I've always said, you know, I post the job. I did not call them and headhunt them out, but we know what happens if somebody goes back and says, listen, like we're currently making say $35 an hour here. And I just got an offer for 55. They're all going, but not so many at the same time. So I don't know, Kim, did you get a chance to read the news article? Before you go any further, Shelly, I just want to correct one of the things that you said. So we have facts here. So you actually flipped it around. Oh, sorry. Okay. You just reversed it. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yes. So it was ThetaCare that filed the injunction against a session once constant. But essentially the same story, but the circumstances is not something I've seen before. How about you? Yeah, I find it fascinating. That was even brought to a, a court of law. I think there's probably some real crimes happening and it doesn't involve people seeking a higher and better paying job. But the lesson of pay your staff well, right? I mean, know your market, know your competitors. I'm not familiar with the Wisconsin market, but in Calgary, I know, for an example, all big four and public practice firms right now are increasing salaries because they're seeing it and they know it and they know their candidates are being poached by industry or their competitors and they're acting accordingly. I'm sure this employer was offered an opportunity to counter. Did they take it? Did they counter? I think there's more to it than just, oh, my candidates applied with you. What did you do to keep them? Hmm. Well, this is a really complex case. The one thing that kind of muddies the water here with this particular situation is it's healthcare, right? This is healthcare in the States is business, right? It's not it it is business, but also losing seven L eleven and the type of work they're doing, it could cause some major issues with patients that are in care at this particular hospital. So you do not want to put patient care in the mix of a recruitment challenge. But you are completely right. From what I'm reading, it was a major difference in pay. We're not talking $5 more now. We're talking significantly more. These employees are all at will. So at will employees in the US can get fired with no notice and no severance. If you're going to treat your employees like that, you're not mitigating your risk as an employer because they are going to go and look for the better environment, the better pay, and and good for them for doing it. I get why they filed an injunction. I don't agree with it. They should have done a way better job, and they should have come back with a strategy to your point of, okay, we'll match it and give you 15% more. It it is for profit. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's your thought, Shelly? Where's your head on this? I, I guess what shocks me the most is that a court would step in the way and say, you can't leave your job. Like that to me was like, wow, because you're right. That's employment standards down there is you're at will. But a judge stepped in front of them and said, no, you need to stay where you are now 
because it does impact healthcare. So great point, Serge. The interesting thing here is they can't go work, but they could all quit. Like you can't stop them from quitting. So they could quit and just wait 90 days. I don't think any of them would do that. I think if you are in healthcare, you're very dedicated to the well-being of people. I don't know if this is going to create kind of precedence for other organizations in similar situations, because I think we're going to see this again, right? Potential. But why wouldn't it? Arguing, so this is a competing business, they could take on those patients, arguably. And so now we're talking about Superstore and Safeway. So Superstore no longer can open and sell groceries, which is also deemed an essential service. I know different, but what would then stop a grocery store from motivating from the same space? I think it's a can of worms that's yeah. being open, keeping people at their work against their will. I think it is a huge topic. Yeah. I know here in Calgary over the years, there was always this ebb and flow. Even back early in my career, we would see one of the major employers would be offering more for say IT professionals. And one person would go and it was like pulling a thread within 90 days, you would see like 25 people, their LinkedIn profiles change and they went over to Conoco, then someone else would increase. And it was almost like the waves, you could see them coming. And there comes a time when that just becomes a risk for every organization. I'd like to jump into the next topic, Shelley. Okay. Not. This one is actually brought by Jan Tegs, the author of Full Stack Recruiter, who's going to be on our show in a couple of weeks so we can dig in on this article a little bit more. And we have the LinkedIn expert here with 30,000 followers and 1.3 million views on her LinkedIn post. So I'm really interested to get the perspective of what she's going to say on this. So companies using fake LinkedIn profiles. And it's like, I didn't even know that's happening. But I guess... Fake profiles has been an issue for LinkedIn for a while. But Jan gives a little bit of perspective of why companies are are doing it. To give you an example, perception. Companies that maybe have four employees, they're creating all these fake profiles. So it shows that the company has 30, 40 employees. Most of them are fake. They're going into the market to show that they're bigger than what they actually are. Isn't that the stuff in your bra of LinkedIn? (laughs) 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 <laughs> or putting a sock in your pants for mail. Right. <laughs> That's false advertising. Kim? I think it's bizarre. Being a small business, I take a lot of pride in being small. I think there's so many things you can bring to the table that a large business can't. I don't know why you would try and be in that space if you're not. It's weird. It reeks a bit of desperation. I would think people would make up fake profiles to be a keyboard warrior. I know that's where we see it on like Instagram or Facebook, because now I can, you know, say all the shitty things I want and no one knows it's me, you know, can maybe be a bit freeing and liberating for that individual. But for that reason, I don't know. It's weird to me. I think it's very dangerous because should you win business, how far can you continue to lie? Like yeah. if you are just four people, but you've just won a piece of business that would require the resources of 33 people and the profiles that you're showing as your employees, and now you can't deliver. Like, yeah. The other reason, Shelly, and I'll get your take on this one, yeah. is companies are sending out email campaigns or, or promotional items. Basically, they're spamming. And instead of associating their name to it, they're creating these fake profiles on LinkedIn and also fake emails so they can send millions of spam and it never comes back to them. Shelly, what do you think of that? 
I had no idea that was a thing. And I don't know to what end. So here's the thing. It would never occur to me because it's beyond our comprehension. You know, if you don't think like a criminal, it's hard to relate when somebody got arrested for whatever reason. So that's why this to me is like, why? But isn't this the byproduct at the way we engage with business sometimes? I just was sent this huge RFP request from this company to do recruitment and the amount of legwork and weird details they wanted from me as an organization to recruit for them. I was like, I'm actually going to do this. I think we need to go back a little bit to handshakes and high fives. And while I get there needs to be an agreement in place, but when we start treating business and vendors that way, this is how they then think that business is conducted and behave accordingly. Everything that happens is a byproduct of something else that has occurred. And so I think to understand it, we need to look at why do businesses believe they have to do this to get business? Because that's how consumers are shopping, right? It's just this fast, quick, you got my inbox at the right time, relationships are nothing. And here we are. I completely agree. Really good point. The next one I want to get your take on, uh, Kim, because this fits exactly where you're at. Overcoming the LinkedIn limits on on connections that are creating additional profiles so they can help to more people because they've reached the, what is 30,000 is the limit now, right? Yeah. Which again, so a, a problem created, a solution put forward and here we are. So I think it's silly that there's a connection limit. I'm about 40 out and I have about 1,600 pending requests. So it's a real tight competition in there. And I don't want to feel like that. I think it's crazy that I have to select and choose. I'm going through and disconnecting with folks that maybe I'd connected with who don't make sense anymore. I want it to be within people I can help and serve. But why am I having to make that decision? I don't know. Shame on me. But I think, Kim, you did it the right way, right? You actually have some type of interactions or connection or something that is relatable compared to there is so many people out there that are either hiring external firms to reach out to thousands of people for connections. And you can always tell when, say you have 30,000 connections and your posts are getting two likes or they're getting no engagement. That means that your connections have been bought in some ways. Um, Well, totally. Yeah. And I think it's about curating your network. I'm very careful about who I connect with, which is why I have so many pending. I have to look through and go, does this make sense? Like I don't, not connecting with someone from the UK. It's just, it doesn't make sense. I want to connect with local people in the area. So yeah. And I agree. I had a company approach me who wanted to help me grow my LinkedIn network once. And I was like, well, I've got 27,000 connections. So I'm not sure where your value is going to (laughs) be for me. (laughs) But yeah, it's crazy. And and that's out there. And that's another business, another byproduct. (laughs) Exactly. And the last point is really interesting because this actually happened to me. Uh, A lot of companies, especially staffing companies, they're using fake LinkedIn profiles with faces of very attractive people. And I've had a whole lot of recruiting companies leverage my photo to create profiles. (laughs) So when they see it. Understandably. Yeah, so they can catfish in a sense and put out an image that's maybe not real by leveraging attractive people to go out and contact some people. George, I'm sorry to hear you've been victimized like that. You're you're hurting God. Does anybody have a 1-800 number to a counselor for them? (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. That's a good one, Serge. Well done. Well done. Thank you. (laughs) We have covered a lot of topics and Kim, it's always great to have you on the show. And we do record on camera, but we rarely release the video. Kim and Shelly are looking fantastic. I am like the luckiest guy in the world to spend an hour talking about recruitment with these incredible and smart women. So thanks again, both of you. Really appreciate having you, Kim and Shelly. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Serge. guys. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.